This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Karen Bewer, Administrator of Pain Physicians of Wisconsin and Affiliated Surgery Centers. Karen, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. Now, I know we'll talk a lot about some of the different things that you're doing at Pain Physicians of Wisconsin and some of the new surgery centers that you've opened in the past few months or so. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Certainly. I've been a registered nurse for many years. Oh, let's not tell the actual number. (laughs) But um, in my career, I've really focused on quality improvement and risk management in healthcare and have certification, specialty certifications in those two areas. So that was really my focus up until this new opportunity where I came on to the new organization and became the administrator of the practice with the intent of opening two small surgery centers. So that's really where my where I come from is is really from the regulatory compliance, uh, quality improvement in healthcare, and risk management in healthcare. Got it. And I know that's really essential aspect of any type of healthcare organization is just making sure that they've got great quality and then you know not having compliance issues or or those kinds of things. And so. Um, I think that must have been a great asset for you in coming into this role with pain physicians of Wisconsin and then, you know, opening these new surgery centers. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and especially since they were open during the middle of the pandemic? Certainly. It was a challenge, um, but the four physicians that are the physician partners of pain physicians of Wisconsin were ready to take on that challenge. They wanted to meet the needs of their patients and they're interventional pain physicians. So it's a single specialty that they're in, and they looked at two small ambulatory surgery centers, only two ORs and about six to seven bays in each one. And we looked at it and started from scratch with the obtaining the NPI numbers, applying to Medicare through National Government Services for that CMS you know, number to start with, and then going through the accreditation process making sure from the time we hired any employees and from the time that we started anything, our supplies, policies, our competency assessment, that knowing regulatory compliance or, you know, the accreditation organization's requirements and CMS's requirements helped quite a bit. So I knew where to start, how to start writing policies, how to work with physicians that were named medical directors, how to work with the other partner physicians and to get this going. So it's, it's, it took several months, but we just got the accreditation for the second ambulatory surgery center in July of this year, so just a little less than a month ago, a few weeks ago, when we had our, our survey. So that was exciting. Of course, with everything else during the pandemic, there are delays, and you're waiting because the workforce is different than it was. There aren't as many people working in any kind of organization So things are slowed down and the surveys at the time that we started were not even going to be face-to-face, the accreditation surveys. Um, They perhaps were going to be virtual. But by the time we got the surveys, they were in-person surveys and and they went well. But, you know, certainly looking at the pandemic accommodations or the requirements or infection prevention and the way we're keeping our employees and our patients safe were very important in addition to the all the other standards we were used to with the ambulatory surgery center surveys. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, now thinking about how the centers have been running over the past, you know, two or three months, 
Um, have there been anything unexpected that came up or have they really been able to smooth things out or run efficiently even, you know, during this time of rather uncertainty in the healthcare system? Efficiency is, is, was something we'd love to, to, you know, say that we're getting to and doing very well. I think we're doing well now, but at first it was difficult because without accreditation, of course, their billing is, you know, impossible and just about who do you charge for these visits because you cannot, you know, you're not going to get reimbursed by, because you haven't been accredited yet. So that was interesting. That was really trying to strike that balance between having enough employees, enough education time, enough time for them to understand and learn policies and procedures and demonstrate competency at the same time that you're trying to be efficient and have minimal procedures that you can while you're trying to wait for this accreditation to happen. That was a balance that was difficult, but the physicians were well prepared and knew that this was ahead of them. That was, took a little longer than we would have loved it to, but it happened and it went, all went well. We had great results in our surveys. And as anyone knows that has been through any kind of a accreditation surveys, there are always something. <laughs> you always have some little um, breach in a, or I think what's, what's the number one uh, issue that a lot of surveys are finding ambulatory surgery centers, and that's above the ceiling. You'll have uh, data cables attached to a sprinkler support. I guess that's a really common one, and, and so sure enough, when our cables were tied, they were, you know, something like that would have happened. So um, you, those things are easily fixed, but you always have issues like that. That's really interesting to hear, and just definitely seems like you're on the right track. What are three of the most interesting trends that you're following in healthcare today? I think I'm fascinated by the trends in healthcare about how many procedures and what kind of procedures are moving to outpatient. It's exciting to see something like a, even though we're not in orthopedic surgery, something like a hip replacement move to you know, an ambulatory setting. So that's exciting. And to see just the technology and the changes and the trends in patient care and what's available for patients. It's exciting to see innovations in interventional pain management um, when we see that our patients, 100% of our patients are in pain. And people, they've been living with chronic pain for quite some time. And some patients all over the country that we know use pain medications or, or opioid medications. And the interventional pain specialist is looking to treat their pain without that and looking to treat their pain with an interventional procedure with a device, an implantable device that can interrupt the pain signal. So that's really exciting in interventional pain and in ambulatory surgery itself. Other trends that are not as exciting or as difficult to see probably is just the changes in the workforce and how difficult it is to get employees and to meet the needs of an employee of what they're looking for in a place to work and how easily it is for employees to change from one location to another, one job to another. They're not staying in a job for 10 years anymore. They're staying in a job for a shorter amount of time and then moving on to their next position. That's a trend that's just something we need to accept and need to meet that challenge. Also, I'm looking at the changes in reimbursement and the comparison in ambulatory surgery versus hospital outpatient. Those are probably the the issues that I think about the most. Those are definitely obviously huge issues in the healthcare space. And especially, you know, when looking at, first of all, the staffing side of things, I know that's something I hear all the time from whether it's 
physician practices or surgery centers looking to get a, a good staff in place and establish a culture for their organizations. What do you do in order to kind of make sure you're prepared to approach this new workforce dynamic? Um, as you mentioned, people not necessarily staying in a job for very long, but still operating the best you can and, and having great patient care and being a great place to work. I think the first thing you have to do is just acknowledge that that is the issue, that there, you, you do need to understand that the workforce has changed, that they're not going to look at it perhaps the same way that, that I may have done so when I was a younger nurse and, and looking for a job in patient care. So one of the first things I did when I advertised for registered nurses for the Ambulatory Surgery Center is I headlined the, the ad with no nights, no weekends, no holidays, no call. And it really seemed like that spoke to the nurses that were out there looking for a position. Perhaps they were tired of the long hours and of what they had been through during the pandemic and you know, right in the middle of this. And all of a sudden there was a job that was still in acute care that was still exciting. They used their skills. They didn't have to work nights and weekends and holidays because the ambulatory surgery center doesn't do that. For this one, at least, doesn't. We're not a um, 23-hour uh, surgery center. I used that to my advantage, and it worked. And I've gotten some excellent nurses that just needed a change. That's really great to hear. And then I know you also mentioned the changes in reimbursement and kind of the difference between ASCs and HOPDs. I was wondering as well, you know, being a, a pain, interventional pain center um, in group, how do you square some of that with some of the procedures moving into the office-based setting as well? Looks like a lot of the procedures that we're doing, and I think technology is just advancing. So as office procedures are, you know, or the procedures stay in the office, some of them do, some of them are getting much more technical and much more involved and much more um, difficult to do more of those are coming to light, that there's more procedures out there for the ambulatory surgery center. So that's really how it's happening for this particular specialty, that as many injections as you might have, you know, that are appropriate for an office setting, there's that many more implantable devices or different changes or different procedures that are, can be done in the ambulatory surgery center to treat patients' chronic pain. That makes sense. Thank you for going through that with us. Now, when you look at your center, obviously you've had some significant growth um, over the past year or so, but what are the best opportunities for continuing that growth and success over the next year or two? I think it's just that word growth. We're just starting, so it's new and it's exciting. And with every change we make, it's a positive celebration in a way. Um, we can now do this, or we've got now this new staff member, we've got this new procedure, we, we bought in a, a better piece of equipment. All this is, is contributing to that excitement in our organization, just because it is new. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the exciting part about it, that we're looking that perhaps there will be a third surgery center um, as we you know, grow to meet the needs of the patients that are, that are coming to us and perhaps they're driving farther away than they wanted to drive. So we're here for them and we want to find out where would be a next location for us to be. Absolutely. That, you know, would be a huge calculation, I'm sure, on your end and the part of the physician owners as well. 
are they thinking about trying to add partners or add physicians in the future, or is this more of making uh, convenient locations for their current patient base and the, the current practices that are involved? I think they would be very interested in doing both. It's an exciting field. So yes, indeed, they'd love to have other physicians join them. Um, and you know, my last question here before we wrap up our conversation, what are you most excited about today and what makes you nervous? Excited, I'd have to go back to those, uh, those new implantable devices that I'm, we're hearing more and more about that, um, you know, that you're able to lead, research about or that we're able to hear people talk about things that we didn't hear about before, but a device that can really change a patient's life. Someone that lived with chronic pain for, you know, let's say the past 20 years, past 10 years, they've been living with chronic pain. They haven't been able to play with their grandchildren. They haven't been able to walk up flights of stairs. And then a device comes along uh, for interventional pain uh, management, and it changes their life. They feel better, perhaps even by the time they leave the ASC, despite their you know, post-procedural discomfort. That's changing their life. And so that's exciting. What I'm most nervous about is I saw what happened when the pandemic hit and in an ambulatory surgery center organization and how devastating that was for us. It just ended what you were doing. You know, we looked at procedures that are elective and they just didn't happen. That was just really devastating. So I'm afraid of that again. I'm afraid of another SARS coronavirus happening. And we know so much more now than we did back in the early spring of 2020. But are we ready to have it all start all over again? I, 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 I'm not. <laughs> Um, although, of course, you, you face the, the challenges that you, you're hit with continuing with the pandemic, of course, but and continue with our precautions and continuing with our constant thoughts. But what I want to see it happen again, that was, is really what makes me the most nervous. I think that's on the tip of many people's minds today, whether it's in the healthcare industry or, or other industries in terms of what they would do, you know, if some of those restrictions came back. Um, is that something you're doing any disaster planning around or is it more just, you know, uh, kind of in the back of your head, but you're moving forward with um, your plans as they are currently, assuming that things wouldn't change too drastically? Well, you certainly do the disaster planning and you do the talking about it. Um, you know, certainly we'll be doing a drill on it, but it's always in everyone's mind. I guess we talk about it. What will we do again? What would we, what kind of precautions would you put in place? What kind of procedures would you see as very necessary? Certainly some procedures, even if they're elective, were very necessary and, and probably should have continued on and, and really should have continued on during the pandemic. And those are those um, pain sparing procedures or pain relief procedures that's kept people away from seeking opioids. That's probably the number one issue that I would think of is how will we continue? And it would have to go down to probably a smaller number of patients, a, a smaller staff and based apart. But how would we treat those patients that without treatment from these physicians would have to seek out opioids? Go into mm -hmm. ERs where there certainly was, were too many patients with coronavirus. Just how would we keep them functional, keep them in their homes, keep them able to walk and keep them able to, you know, have, live a life without excruciating pain. So that would be my biggest challenge is, is how we would get to that patient level, get to that level of who, how many patients we could see, what we could treat, how would we keep everyone safe if that continued to happen. 
That sounds like, you know, a great plan and definitely the key area of focus for you and your physicians. Karen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really great discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Laura. Have a good day.